sponsoring the Elinishmas' grandfather, who's Yerat today, Rabbi Yeshua ben Avram. Our learning should be a source for his neshama, Elinishmasai. There's a, as opposed to all of the other svarim of Nevi Mixuvim, there's some unique aspect or a dimension that exists with regards to the Megillah, and that is that it has to be written with sirtut. With um, the page of the parchment has to be scored with uh, creases that are in between all of the lines of the um, Megillah. Um, and I want to discuss this morning what exactly perhaps this conveys about the Megillah. Why is it that we don't find it by some of the others? From and where does halacha really come from? So this halacha that we find a uh, unique aspect of the Megillah is primarily found though with regards to mezuzah and perhaps Sefer Torah. The Gemara tells us in Menachas that if you have a Sefer Torah Shabala, Meaning it's uh, worn out, or tefillin shabalu, or tefillin that have become worn out. I know some have mezuzah. You can't uh, use them or change them to become a mezuzah, even though they both have the parashios of Shema, which appear in the mezuzah. It's found in the tefillin. It's found in the Sefer Torah. So perhaps you could uh, distill it or take out the rest and just at least leave the parts of Shema. If those are intact, you cannot make that transition. You can't come down from the kedusha of a Sefer Torah to the lower level of kedusha of a mezuzah. How am I reading? So the Gemara says, but it implies if you could, meaning if we didn't have this principle of Malam Kadish, we read, then you would be able to take the worn out Sefer Torah and Tefillin and use it for a mezuzah. And the Gemara asks, but, how sirtut? but a mezuzah requires sirtut. And the Gemara goes on to explain that if a mezuzah is written without sirtut, without those creases, the lines that are in between the lines of the uh, mezuzah, then the mezuzah is puzzle. And this is based on a halacha lamosh misinai. The Gemara contrasts mezuzah with Tefillin, where we don't have any kind of halacha lamosh misinai that Tefillin require sirtut. It's a unique halacha that we find with regards to mezuzah. Um, it's unclear, though, in the Gemara, um, when we said that you can't, you know, transition from tefillin to mezuzah, even though in tefillin you find those same parashiyos of Shema, because tefillin is lacking in sirtut as opposed to mezuzah that requires sirtut, does that same um, limitation apply to a Sefer Torah also? Meaning, can, is, this, is the reason you can't go from a Sefer Torah to mezuzah only because marida, you're, and, uh, you can't go down from a Kedusha Chamur to Kedusha Kala, because um, but the Sirtu would not have been an issue because in a Sefer Torah there's Sirtu like you find in Mezuzah. Or maybe, no, that's a problem with regards to Sefer Torah as well. That it's not only, you can't go from a Sefer Torah to Mezuzah not only because you're going from Kedusha Chamur to Kedusha Kala, but also because the Sefer Torah is lacking in Sirtu, just like Tefillin is lacking in Sirtu as opposed to Mezuzah that requires Sirtu. So this issue, what is the status of a uh, Sefer Torah is in fact the Machlekes Harishonim. Because the... Sorry? Put two Sirtu afterwards? You can't. Yeah, unbelievable. Keep asking that question. What? That's the same question. What? What? That's a suffix Tosis has in Saita, and then Rabbi Kiva Eger asked based on the suffix of Saita. Tosis, why? Why? What's the pshat over here in Agamah? Okay, Rabban, you're four steps ahead as usual. All right. But it's a machlekes harishanim whether or not this principle extends to Sefer Torah um, as well or not. The Gemara clearly extends the halacha moish misina that we found by Mezuzah to Megillah. The Gemara says in Mesechus Megillah over here on his base, Divrei Shalom v'Yemes. It says in the Megillah that the words of the Megillah are Divrei Shalom v'Yemes, words of truth and peace. And because it's considered to be words of truth and peace, it requires sirtut ka'amita shol Torah, like the truth of Torah. So just like the truth of Torah requires sirtut, so too a Megillah, which is called Divrei Shalom v'Yemes, words of peace and truth, also requires sirtut. What is the Amita Shotera, the paradigm from which uh, Megillah is derived or compared? What is Amita Shotera, which is, uh, which is w- from where we derive that a Megillah also requires Sirtut? What's the primary case? So Rashi there says, Kesefer Torah Atzmai. Just like a Sefer Torah, Sefer Torah requires Sirtut. It's not only Mezuzah, a Sefer Torah itself also requires Sirtut. Um, 
And the Megillah is compared to a Sefer Torah, and that, uh, just like a Sefer Torah, is Amita Shal Torah, so to the Mezuzah is also, oh, the uh, Megillah is also Amita Shal Torah, and would require Sirtan. Taisvis disagrees. Taisvis there, back in Mesechus Menachis, disagrees that it's not referring to a uh, Sefer Torah, rather it's referring to a Mezuzah. Sefer Torah, in fact, does not require Sirtu. Can you add it if you want to? That's a further discussion in the Mishan, which we'll get to in, uh, soon. But um, uh, fundamentally, a Sefer Torah does not require Sirtu. What did the Gemara mean in Mesechus Megillah when it says that Megillah requires Sirtu? Ka'amita Shotaira? That's referring to a mezuzah. A mezuzah is called Amita Shotaira, the essence of Torah. Because in the, in the mezuzah, you have Shema, you have Kabbalah, Somachu, Shemaim. Yichud of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So that's the essence of Torah. Not the entirety of Torah. The entirety of Torah doesn't require Sirtut. It's only that uh, the essence of Torah, the Mezuzah, that requires Sirtut. And for some reason, the Megillah is compared to the essence of Torah that it requires Sirtut as well. However, the opinion of Rabbeinu Tam and Taisus is that a Sefer Torah does not require Sirtut. It's halach, it's limited to Mezuzah and to um, Megillah. Uh, Rashi disagrees. Rashi's opinion is just like a mezuzah requires sirtut, so to a sefer Torah, like a kavu chaymer. If the mezuzah requires sirtut, how much more so the sefer Torah should require sirtut? And we derive the halacha by Megillah from sefer Torah. The Taisvis asks on Rashi if it would be the case that a sefer Torah actually requires sirtut. Why didn't the Gemara derive the fact that a Megillah requires sirtut? Because many of the halachas of Megillah are derived from a Sefer Torah. Why do you have to go to the Pasuk, Divrei Shalom, the MS, words of truth and peace, uh, uh, peace and truth, and, and therefore requires Sirtut, Ka'amito Shal Torah, like the essence of Torah. It should have derived from the general rule and the comparisons that we have between Megillah and Sefer Torah. Megillah has to be written with Diyoy on top of Klaf, so just like a Sefer Torah has to be written with Diyoy and Klaf. And there are going to be other comparisons as well that exist between the writing of a Sefer Torah and the Megillah. So why go to this uh, Pasuk of Dibre Shalom V'yem is derived from the fact that a Megillah is sometimes called a Sefer and has certain halachas that are compared to a Sefer Torah. So the Ritva, that's Taisus Kasha, back in Oisalev, the Ritva in his comments in the Gemara Megillah, Tazayin Mebez, answers that question um, based on the fact that we find different descriptions or conflicting descriptions of the, um, of the Megillah. Sometimes the Megillah is referred to as a Sefer, Venichtop a Sefer, but sometimes it's a Kaimes Igeres Hapurim Hazois. Sometimes it's called a letter. So there's certain aspects of Sefer Torah that exist in the writing of a Sefer Torah that exists with regards to Megillah, and there are others that do not carry over. And since sometimes the Megillah is called a Sefer, sometimes it's called an Igeris, the Ritva says the very fact that a Sefer Torah is written with Sirtut would not have necessarily implied that uh, a Megillah also has to have Sirtut. And that's why the Gemara derived it from the Pasuk of Divrei Shalom VMS. This uh, these conflicting uh, identities that the Megillah has, sometimes it's called a Sefer, sometimes it's called an Igeris, is, comes to a head in the Gemara Mesechus Megillah, in the Testament of Alpha, the Gemara addresses this issue, this uh, inconsistency in the way that the uh, Megillah is described. The Gemara here says, it's Nikre Sefer, and because it's called the Sefer Torah, it needs the stitching between the ureus of parchment, between the pages of parchment, have to be with Gidim, with the sinews of a kosher animal, it cannot be with Pishton, you can't use flax, and in that sense, it's similar to a Sefer Torah, but it's also called an Ikeres. So normally in a Sefer Torah, you need stitching from the top to the bottom. In a Megillah, you don't need stitching from the top and the bottom. It's enough with three stitches, one at the top, one at the bottom, and one in the middle. It doesn't have to go the entire length. People, you can add more, but it doesn't require it. Why not? Because it's also called an Ikeres. It's called a letter. So the Ritva, in his comments on uh, the Gemara there, uh, but it's over here, Ois Dawid, explains which halachas are derived from Sefer Torah and, you know, and carry over from Sefer Torah to Megillah and which are not. He says, whatever has to do with the writing of the Sefer Torah, generally, carries over from Sefer Torah. So you need Dio, you need Klaf, 
and all of the, you know, Sirtut as well carries over. However, whatever has to do with the reading of the Megillah, um, you know, how careful we have to be and exact we have to be and you know, whether you have to stand up or you could be sitting down or whether we read it from a scroll as opposed to folding it all out before. When it comes to the reading of the Megillah there, it's read as an Egeris. So that's why we fold it all before as opposed to reading it you know, while it's, on the, while it's uh, still on the scrolls and that's why we're not as careful about uh, the reading of it. We don't necessarily have to go back and correct every mistake that we would do by Kriya Satoyer. You can read the Megillah Maker then sitting down because when it comes to the reading of the Megillah, it's like uh, Egeris, which is much less formal. When it comes to the way that it's written, it has many comparisons to a Sefer Torah. What about the Tfiris, the connections between one page to the other page? In a certain sense, it's similar. You need Gidim. In the other sense, it's not you know, exactly the same as a Sefer Torah that requires stitching from the top to the bottom. So it's well explained because the Tfiris are sort of part of the writing, sort of part of the reading. Um, and therefore, it's somehow in between. So, as it relates generally to the writing of a Sefer Torah, so Megillah, you know, most of the Lachas carry over to Megillah, but as it relates to the reading of a Sefer Torah, it's treated as Igeris, which, um, which is much uh, much less formal. So, because though it's hard to predict what will carry over, what won't carry over, the Gemara necessarily couldn't uh, assume that just because a Sefer Torah requires Sirtut, a Megillah should require Sirtut, and therefore it derived it from a different Pasuk. Tysus would argue it derives Sirtut from a different Pasuk because Sefer Torah doesn't require Sirtut. And therefore, it had to, in order to create a connection between Megillah and Mezuzah, which is the only time other than Megillah that we find the Allah of Sirtut, we, we need the Pasuk of Divrei Shalom V'yemes. The Rambam uh, subscribes to Rashi's view. The Rambam over here, Oisei, right? So the Sefer Torah requires Sirtut. Um, and the Megillah. In fact, the Megillah requires Sirtut is derived from a Sefer Torah. He says over here, I say, and Kaisen's Megillah El B'yoy Agvila Klafke Sefer Torah, but Tzricha Sirtut Ketayra Atzma. So it's interesting here, and the Briskarov picks up on the nuance in the language of the Rambam. The Rambam says it requires Sirtut, it has to have the creases in the page, you know, in between each line, Ketayra Atzma. With regards to the other halachas, that has to be written on Gvil, it has to be written on uh, with Yoy, um, you know, the parchment and the ink that are similar to a Sefer Torah, that's because it's Kis Sefer Torah, it's like a Sefer Torah. When it comes to Sirtut, the Rambam says it's Ketayra Atma. It's like the Torah itself. What's the distinction between Sefer Torah and Ketayra Atma? What's the difference between them? So Biskarab makes a big deal about this. Morty shared with me the Sefer, it's coming out, and his father, Shiur, my Masech Gittin, which just came out every second, Masech Gittin, he has a few pieces here on Sirtut, so he notes in different Kisveyat of the Rambam, that the language is Kisei for Torah. doesn't have Ketayra Atma. The Briskarov bases his whole shtickle on the fact that the language of the Ramam here is unique. It's Ketayra Atma. He found other Kisveyad that perhaps give a different version of the language of the Ramam. However, we'll accept the Briskarov. You know, leave that for the moment. The Briskarov notes that the language of the Ramam is Ketayra Atma because the reason why it requires Sirtut is somewhat different than, uh, or it's not, not, not so because of the halachas of Sefer Torah, it's because of the content of that which is contained within the Megillah. The reason why a Sefer Torah requires Sirtut is not because it's halach, how the Sefer Torah has to be written, it has to do with the content of what is found in the Sefer Torah. And that same level, intensity, or significance of the content of the Torah is found with regards to the Megillah as well, and that's why it requires Sirtut. Meaning when a person is reading the Torah, you should know that this is something, the way perhaps we could explain it, when a person is reading the Torah, you have to know that this is something of significance. This is something that's transcendent. Um, and the way that that's conveyed is perhaps by underlining it. Uh, sometimes the lines, the creases in the Torah are in between the lines, so underlining is not necessarily a perfect analogy, but just like in our society, we would underline things, you know, to show how important they are. 
Um, so, it's carried over over here, that same notion, that in order to convey how important something is, it was underlined. It's not a halach in the writing of the Sefer Torah, like the ink that has to be used with the parchment, it's halach in the content of the Torah. And that's why when you're reading it, you have to know it's something that's important, and that's why it has to be underlined. Based on this vart of the briskerov, that that's why the Sefer Torah requires sirtu, perhaps that's why it carries over to Megillah too, um, we might be able to have, uh, to answer Akasha, all the Achrayim ask on the Rambam when he discusses Tefillin. The Rambam says it's halachal moish misina that sefer Torah and mezuzah requires sirta, but tefillin does not require sirta. However, the Rambam offers a reason. He says afisha hein mechupin. The end of Oisvav. The Rambam says because tefillin are covered over in boxes, they're concealed. Why does the Rambam have to give a reason for halachal moish misina? It's halachal moish misina and mezuzah requires sirta. Tefillin doesn't. What's the reason? Lafisha hein mechupin. So perhaps we could suggest yeah, right. So mezuzah could very good. A mezuzah could fair question. A mezuzah could, though, be written out. Some, whether or not the mezuzah has to be rolled up is somewhat of a debate. Let's assume for the moment a mezuzah could be rolled out, but it's not contained in a box. It's not that the way that it's written is that, you know, or when, you know, the, it only becomes active as fill and when it's hidden away in a box, which is, by definition, closed. A mezuzah is not necessarily the case. Whether or not you could hang the mezuzah on your wall while it's open, some place can hold you can. Some, I've never seen that before. Some place can hold you can. Some place can hold you can. But at least it is something that could, that could be written, uh, read as opposed to filling that by definition are contained within a box. However, the Rambam uh, you know, just gives a reason, which is somewhat curious. Why is that the reason to fill in don't require seriotone? I would have said, because it's not a lawful emotion we seen. It's a lawful emotion we seen by mezuzah. Not so by tefillin. Why does the Rambam feel the need to justify why tefillin don't have seriotone? But perhaps, again, the Rambam here is tipping his hand that the reason why he feels seriotone is required is ketaira uh, atzma. It's the content of the Torah, which is so true, which is so important, so significant, and transcendent that in order to signify that, we underline it. As opposed to tefillin, no one's reading the tefillin. So you don't have that same concern. Why would you underline something no one is ever going to read? You underline it, so when I come back to it, I realize, oh, this is the significant part. If no one's ever going to read it, it isn't necessary, and perhaps, you know, that's why the Raman felt that uh, tefillin don't require sirto. The Briskarov continues, and he brings a Yushalmi over here, a Yishez. The Yushalmi uh, links connects the requirement for Sirtut with the ability to darshan uh, the Megillah. The Gemara, the Yushalmi says, just like in a Sefer Torah, you darshan psukim, um, and so to in the Megillah, you darshan psukim, and just like in a Sefer Torah, there's Sirtut, so to in the Megillah, there should be Sirtut. So it sounds like the requirement for Sirtut has to do with the darshaning of psukim. So again, perhaps that comes to speak to the fact that the Megillah is just as significant, just as important, you know, or on par in a certain sense, at least, you know, with regards to this halacha, to a Sefer Torah, and just like the Sefer Torah is so significant, so important, um, you know, the word Darshan Psukim from it, so to the Megillah, you know, has that same quality. I, I might, I might, I might even, you know, go one step further, or maybe just adjust what we've been saying so far, and that is that perhaps what the, um, perhaps what the Yushami is driving at, and perhaps that's what Sirtut is more comparable to, is not the underlining that we do in order to show something is significant and important, but it's the lines between the lines. It's showing us that there's more here than we might imagine, and that's why we can Darshan Psukim from the Torah, because there's more here than just the text itself, and so to the Megillah, there's more here than just the text itself, and that's why you have the Sirtut in between, and that's why the Darshaning Psukim is somehow connected to the existence of the Sirtut. Tysus might agree with all this. Um, just Tysus feels if you're going to do this on every line, see, that applies to the essence of Torah, right? It applies to the mezuzah. The mezuzah is Kabbalah so Malchus Shamayim Hashem. So you underline it, right? If you do that, like I've seen guys in yeshiva, you know, who sit with their credit cards or whatever they had, and they underline. The problem is you end up underlining everything. So like, what's the point of underlining? You underlined everything. You went through a book and just provided lines. 
So at some point it loses its meaning and significance when you do it on every line. So perhaps that's why Tyson is not disagreeing fundamentally with the role of Seer. Tyson just says, why would you do it on every line of the Sefer Torah? At some point it loses the message that you're trying to convey. Like that this is something that's, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's unique and significant. But perhaps that's why, um, uh, it's, uh, you know, that's why you have to have the lines there. If that's the case, so Rabbi Kiva Eger over here in Shulchan Aruch, um, quotes this halacha, we passing like the Ramam and Rashi, that a Sefer Torah requires Sirta, without Sirta it's possible. Um, that that's why it comes up sometimes, um, Rabbi Kiva Eger quotes here from Rishayim, the Sirta has to always remain. It's not just there at the time of the writing of the Sefer Torah, it has to be there the entire time to show how significant, how important the words of the Torah are, how meaningful and how many layers of meaning they have. So it has to be there all the time. Sometimes, the Sefer uh, point out, sometimes when you make, uh, have to erase a letter because uh, <coughs> ink chips or you, know, you realize that there was some sort of mistake, so you have to erase the letter, they erase a lot of times the creases in the indentations as well, the scoring of the page. So a responsible Sefer will put back the uh, Sirtut before he writes the new letter. Sometimes, though, they're not as careful. If you have an un- inexperienced Sefer, he'll erase it, he'll erase the Sirtut, and then under those few letters, you're missing the Sirtut, the Sefer terrorist puzzle. Uh, but even if they are a little bit more careful and they know about Sirtut, a lot of times the thinner the parchment, you erase the letters, you scratch off some of the parchment. So the, you know, the more times you put in the Sirtut, and if you do it you know, and not in the way that they did it the first time, sometimes the Sirtut wears out. And you no longer see the, see the Sirtut. And if you no longer see the Sirtut, Rabbi Kiva Eger says over here that the Sefer Torah is possible. So you have to be careful on those areas of the Sefer Torah that are fixed. We have to always make sure that the Sirtut is something that's still visible. Why does the Sirtut have to remain? Why, it was there at the time of the writing. Why does it have to be there today? Because it's not, nothing to do with the writing of the Sefer Torah. It's not a lock in the writing of the Sefer Torah like the deal on the cloth. It's in the words of the Torah. The words of the Torah need these creases to be between the lines, on top of the line, perhaps to convey all the messages that we talked about. So if that's the case, then if the Sirtut is gone, it wears out, it dissipates, so then it would be a problem. That's perhaps also what Titus is misupic about. There's no Kedush of the cloth, it's Kedush of the Sefer Torah. The Sefer Torah is in fact the Kedush of the Sefer Torah. Well, whether or not a Puzzle Sefer Torah has Kedush or not is also more of a complicated issue. Yeah. And we leave the Puzzle Sefer Torah right to Shivrei Luchos also Menachem Baron. Yeah. The Rebbe Kiva Eger, though, quotes over here again a suffix that Tysus has, which uh, I don't know what we were talking about. Is this halacha, you know, that uh, has to be there at the time of the writing you need the Sirtut? Or can I put the Sirtut in subsequently? So, that, that exactly is this issue. Is this how of the writing of the Sefer Torah and the content of the Torah? If it has to do with the content of the Torah, then maybe it could be added later. Who's to say it necessarily has to be there at the beginning? We understand why one side of Tesis might hold that it's uh, good enough if it was, um, it was added subsequently. According to that view in Saita that it was added subsequently, it's good. So, the Rav of Salvechik asked, well, then what's Pshat in the Gemara Menachas, as Rabbaran asked? Um, the, the Gemara says, if you have a Sefer Torah Tfilin that are lacking in Sirtut, you can then transition them to become a Mezuzah. Why not? Because, the Gemara says, because, number one, you can't go from high levels of Kedusha to low levels of Kedusha. And number two, because they're lacking in Sirtut. So add the Sirtut later, according to Tysus and Saito. You can add the Sirtut later. Why can't you add the Sirtut later to the Tfilin? So the Rav said, uh, Rav said no, because once it's, you know, it has the Kedusha or the Ksav of Tfilin, you can't transition it to uh, become a Mezuzah. But I don't know. I don't, I don't, I think the question is better than the answer. Can't you take this Megillah site from a Sefer Torah? Megillah site is another halakha. Yeah, Megillah site does not require. Megillah site does require Sefer Torah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Why is it though that Megillah is derived? What is the you know? What's the essence over here of the Sirta we talked about? Maybe it's to underline the significance of the words in the Megillah. Perhaps it teaches that there's more in between the lines. What does it have to do with Divrei Shalom VMS? Words of peace and truth. 
So my own suggestion, if you take it or leave it, but I think it is significant that it's derived from the word sirtut, it's derived from Shalom V'yemes, um, and that sirtut, again, tips us off, or maybe points, points out that there's more here than, than beneath the surface. Um, perhaps it's related to a Gemara Masech Yivamas. The Gemara tells Masech Yivamas, as we know, that um, a person is permitted to lie in order to keep the peace, or perhaps it's a mitzvah to lie um, in order to keep the peace, right? Uh, as we know, the Gemara says, Mesechtas Ksubis, when a person is dancing before the Kala, and the Chassan asks you, what do you think of the Kala? So Beisham, I say, Kala Kamaishi, you tell the truth, MS, right? Um, and Beisil, will tell us, no, Kala, no other Chasuda. You're supposed to say to the Chassan, the Kala is, uh, is, uh, is, uh, is pleasant and kind. So maybe it's because we're telling you what you obviously think. You obviously thought she was pleasant and kind. So we're telling you according to you. But even though that's not our, our perspective, that's not perhaps what we really think um, a person is supposed to lie or adjust the truth in order uh, to keep the peace. How is a person allowed to lie in order to keep the peace, though? After all, uh, the Gemara tells himself, the Shabbos, Chayisamash al-Kadosh Baruch Hu is MS, the signet ring, the signature of a Kadosh Baruch Hu is truth. And uh, as uh, we all have to follow in the footsteps of HaKadosh Baruch as it relates to all of his qualities that we're told about, and we obviously also have to pursue truth. As the Pasuk told us in Parashat Mishpat, we have to run away from, or distance ourselves uh, from Sheker. So how is it that a person is allowed to compromise on truth in order to achieve and maintain peace? So it's for that reason, by the way, the Aruch says in that you're not allowed to outright lie. You're allowed to bend the truth like Yaakov Avinu did in discussing or in, in uh, attaining the brachas from, from Yitzchak, he told them, Anoichi Esav Becharecha. I am Esav your Bechar, but you can, if you parse the statement, so then each part is true, just not when you put them all together. It says, Anoichi, I am Yaakov, Esav Becharecha, and Esav is your Bechar. So Archaner says, you're only allowed to kind of bend the truth in this way by saying, Lishon, uh, that it's... Uh, that mashmal, the treyanpe, you could understand it in two, different, in two different ways, that kind of lie is permitted, but not an outright falsehood. Chaim Kanievsky, in his Sefer Orchos Yosher, where he discusses many different midas and collects the Maimari Chazal, as it relates to those midas, he has many chidushim as to how we should practice these midas ourselves. So he writes there, even though it's permitted to compromise uh, a little bit on the truth, in order to achieve peace and maintain peace, you can't outright lie. You can only bend the truth in this way, something that could be understood in two different ways, um, but not to outright lie, because it's a violation of the Midas that we're supposed to embody, the Midas of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, primarily that of, of truth. However, Rav Dessler is a famous piece in the first volume of the Mikhtam Elio, on this Gemara Masech to Zivamas, or Yaakov Kamenetsky is a similar pshat in Parashas Bereshis, where they uh, both explain that there's really two levels of truth. You can't outright lie in order to maintain peace, um, but how are you allowed to do that? Aren't you compromising in your Midas of truth? The answer is that there's really two levels of truth. There's the superficial um, truth versus falsehood, uh, fact versus fiction. Um, but then um, there's a deeper truth. What, what do you mean by the emes labito? What is the deeper truth? The deeper truth is that everything in this world, which is a religious principle, everything in this world exists because of Kaddish Baruch who wanted it to be here. Both the fact, both the fiction, both the truth, both the falsehood, all come from a Kaddish Baruch who everything in this world is the Ratan of the Rebani Shalalem. And when a person fulfills the Ratan of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even if sometimes you have to bend what is the external truth and falsehood, or the fact and fiction, in order to achieve the Ratan of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that itself is a fulfillment of truth, of a deeper truth, of an MS La Amitai. That's the meaning of the Medrash that we all know about. The Medrash tells us 
And at the time, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to create the world, so the Malachi Asharis came and lobbied HaKadosh Baruch Hu in different directions. So Chesed uh, told HaKadosh Baruch Hu to create the world, because people do lots of Chesed. But then Tzedek said, don't create the world. Uh, chesed said, create the world, because people do Chesed. But then Emes said, not to create the world, because people are full of lies. Tzedek came, righteousness came, and told HaKadosh Baruch Hu to create the world, because people are the ones who create and enforce righteousness within the world. But then, um, uh, Shalom came and told the Kaddish Baruch Hu not to create the world, because people are always fighting. So we have two against two, Tzedek and, and Chesed to create the world, Emes and Shalom said not to create the world, what did Kaddish Baruch Hu do? Hishlich Emes Arza, um, Kaddish Baruch Hu threw Emes to the ground, and he, one of the Pesach in Tehillim, Emes may Eretz Titzmach, truth will rise from the ground. So Kaddish Baruch Hu, um, you know, changed the teams. It was two against two, it was a stalemate, um, and Kaddish Baruch Hu, you know, solved or negotiated the difference by throwing or removing MS from the equation and throwing it to the ground. The MS should grow from the ground. Yeah. So first of all, it's a problem. What do you mean? Hakadosh Baruch Hu removed MS from the equation. And how could Hakadosh Baruch Hu remove MS from the equation? Hakadosh Baruch Hu's signaling, his signature, his name is MS. What's the meaning of this? What's the meaning of the medrash? So some have suggested, and what it means is MS and Shalom weren't able to coexist. Why? Because if you're really going to tell the truth, you have no peace. If a wife comes in, you know, how do I look today? And you, you know, hopefully you'll be able to tell the truth. But if not, you know, it's still not wise, you know, to say something that's that's not flattering, um, because you know they'll be insulted, and it's nothing to do with the person's wife. In all social interactions, right? If a person speaks the truth all the time, he, you know, will not have too many friends, and you know, probably should seek help. So it, it's it's important. It's important to be able to modify the truth in order to keep the peace. But the two really can't coexist. Truth in its purest form and peace in its truest form can't coexist. And that's what the Malach HaYashar was saying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. These two things can't coexist in the world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu took truth and he threw it to the ground. What did he mean by doing so? He meant that Emma sometimes takes a back seat to Shalom. But why? Because there's a deeper truth. And what's the deeper truth? That some, there's an external truth, a superficial truth. That's the fact and fiction that we all observe in the physical world in which we live. But there's a deeper truth. And that is the truth of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to come out of that given situation. And that's the truth that HaKadosh Baruch Hu achieved by throwing it to the ground. Meaning, in the realities of life, sometimes you might have to compromise on truth, give it a backseat to Shalom in order to achieve this deeper truth. That's what the Gemara means over here, Masech the Shabbos, Kodayin Shadon Din Emes Lamito, any judge. Just as a case, MS Lamito, the truth of truths. Anybody dying who judges, MS Lamito becomes a partner with a Kaddish Baruch in creating the world. First of all, what is the difference between a truthful ruling and a truth, you know, a true truthful ruling? What's MS, the difference between MS and MS Lamito? And why do you become a partner with a Kaddish Baruch in the creation of the world? So it seems to me, perhaps we could suggest, that what a din emes lamito is referring to is the Gemara Masech the Sanhedrin that tells us that there's two kinds of uh, tracks within a Beis Din. And a person can request one or the other. Either he can request din, meaning what is the halacha saying, or pshara, or pshara, which is, you know, compromise. So the Gemara quotes, you would think compromise is not a din at all. It's some sort of arbitration. However, that's actually a form of din that happens in a din turn. In fact, the Gemara prefers compromise. The Gemara says, mitzvah l'vtsoyah. It's a mitzvah to request compromise. The Gemara quotes from the Pasuk, Sefer Zechariah, that emes umishpat shalom shaftu b'sharechem, you should have truth, justice, and peace in your gates. How do you have justice and peace? Every ruling is, is, is you know, insensitive to peace. Whatever the ruling is, the ruling is. It has nothing to do with the consequences that may come out. And if you're going to, everything is going to be sensitive, you're going to have to compromise on the mishpat. So the Gemara asks, Eizu mishpat sheyesh bo shalom. What's a mishpat where you can find peace? That's compromise. 
Meaning, that's the bitzua. It's truth, but it's also a deeper truth. What truth is it? It's the emes lamito, the rotten of a Kaddish Baruch in this world, which sometimes requires you to compromise on the facts or you know, bend the facts a little bit in order to achieve the greater rotten of a Kaddish Baruch what he wants in this world. And any dying who done din emes lamito, what's the truth of truth? The truth of truth is that a Kaddish Baruch is behind everything. A Kaddish Baruch behind the fact and the fiction, the truth and the lies, and a person judges a case where he achieves the rotten of a Kaddish Baruch which is what should emerge from, you know, from it all, this higher truth, then in Nasa Shutaf like Kadishbrahu with my sabracious. You're doing the same thing Kadishbrahu did at the time of the creating of the world, but Kadishbrahu took MS and he threw it to the Arts and he gave it a back seat to Shalom in order to achieve achieve this truth of truths. And perhaps that's what the Sirtut comes to imply. The Sirtut comes to, you know, be in between the lines of the Torah because it conveys the fact that there's a deeper reality here than what's taking place, even in the words of the Torah itself. The words of the Torah itself, of course, absolute truth. But then there's a almost a deeper truth. There's an emes lamito that goes beyond what's taking place. And this is, and that's what the Ter Shabal Peh comes to reveal, which is the Russian of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, darshaning psukim, or darshaning, you know, things from the psukim of the Torah. And the Megillah itself requires sirtut more than all the other svarim and the Miksuvim, because the Megillah has these two layers to it. There's what appears on the surface, but then, of course, the whole story of the Megillah is what occurs beneath the surface. Nothing is as it seems. It seems like the Jews, you know, are headed for destruction and everything turns around, you know, uh, uh, pivots, you know, in an instant. So the Megillah itself, more so than all of the other Sparm of the Miksuvim, require Sirtut in order to remind us there's a deeper truth. There's a deeper thing that's taking place behind the scenes, and that's perhaps conveyed through Sirtut. There's a whole other halakha of Sirtut. We discussed Sirtut by the Megillah, by Sefer Torah. But Tfilin, there's another halach of Sirtut uh, that's mentioned over here by the Gemara Masech is Gitin. This is a Din Midir of Rabbi Yitzchak. This is not a psul in the Sefer Torah, Tfilin and Mezuzah. This has to do with um, an Iser to write psukim without Sirtut. Uh, anytime you write or quote Kisvei HaKadosh, it should have Sirtut uh, where you're writing it. Even if it's not in the Sefer Torah, even if it's uh, in a letter that's being sent one person to another, it should require Sirtut. The Gemara there expresses surprise at one of the Amorim that he quoted a Pasuk, without having sirtut beneath it, without having these, uh, this line or the crease in the paper beneath it. Beneath Taisvis it. writes that it's only if a person is using the Pesach to darshan. There he was sending him a shtikl Torah, and he was darshaning something from the Pesach, then he requires sirtut. If a person, some people write, I'm always envious of these kinds of people who have all of Tanakh at their fingertips and can somehow you know, quote or manipulate uh, psukim in the writing of their, just their sikhas hulin. But if a person is able to do that, some people are able to do that almost at will, but if a person is able to do that, you don't require sirtut. If you quote a pasuk and you really are using it just as a malitza, as a, you know, the <coughs> phrase of speech, so then, um, in order to convey an idea, and you're not darshaning psukim, you don't mean it as a shikl terror, then Tesis argues you wouldn't require sirtut, but otherwise, and, and Igerish Shleiman should require sirtut. The Ramban limits it further, the Ramban says over here, um, in his comments in the Gemara, Masech Tzgilin, Ois Tezvav, that if it's not written in Ksav Ashuris, if it's not written in the Ksav that we would use in a Sefer Torah, like the block print, then you don't require Sirtut, if it's written in, in a script. So if you're writing in script, you don't require Sirtut, even if you're dashing the Pasuk. Both Kulos, that of Taisus, that if you're not dashing the Pasuk, it's just in the Gerish Shleiman, and the Kul of the Ramban, if you're not writing in Ksav Ashuris, then you don't require Sirtut. Both appear in Shulchan Aruch. So the Shulchan Aruch says over here, you cannot quote three words of a Pasuk without Sirtut. That's the Ramban, only if it's written in block print. If a person is just using it as a turn of phrase, so then, and you don't mean to dash in the Psukim, then you can use it, you don't, you don't require Sirtut either. So that's why, generally speaking, most of us 
wouldn't necessarily use Sirtut. There were some tzaddikim who weren't chayshish for either, who were chayshish, who didn't accept either kua, that of Taisus or the Ramban, because each one offers their own kua. Who's to say they necessarily subscribe to the other one? So there were some tzaddikim who wouldn't quote a pasuk without Sirtut, even if it wasn't written in Ksav Ashuris, and even if they only meant it as a turn of phrase, it's just part of a letter. They either wouldn't quote the pasuk, or would have sirtut in the area Even on regular writing paper. Regular yeah, writing paper. Yeah, you should have a crease in the page uh, on top of the pasuk, underneath the pasuk, yeah. There are some tzaddikim mochashish like that. Me'ikar adin is not necessary if it's on a regular um, regular letter and not in Ksav Ashuris. It's a very interesting halacha that's related to this. Huh? Of course, yeah. Yeah. Chomashim should be printed with sirtut, yeah, yeah. Yeah. New product. Yeah. Yeah. After, so yeah. 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 Well, there's another halacha which comes back to the the Aaron raised. The Ramah says over here, Yesh Aimim This obviously is halacha in order to preserve the kedusha of that which you're writing, or to show the significance of that which you're writing, even if it's on a regular igeris. So it has to have some of the halachas of a sefer Torah, um, and therefore it should have sirtut. So uh, base, a similar idea is the Ramah says, quote the name of the Shuvah of the Rambam. That a person have to, has to be careful where, whenever he's writing mundane matters um, that he shouldn't use the Ksav Ashuris. Not only should he require Sirtut if you're quoting a Pasuk, even what you're writing, even if it's not a Pasuk, you shouldn't use the same Ksav that we find in the Sefer Torah. So it's similar to the Allah of Rabbi Yitzchak. If you're quoting a Pasuk, you need Sirtut, like you find in the Sefer Torah, to show that this is something holy. Um, but even the Ksav uh, itself, you shouldn't use the black print that we find in the Sefer Torah in any other context because it kind of dilutes its. It's significant and important. So maybe they're not talking that you need Sirtut if you write Rashi, so. uh, Well, that was the Ramban. If you're writing in Rashi, you don't require Sirtut. <laughs> but the Ramban takes it even further. You shouldn't use the block print ever. Not only when you're quoting a Pasuk, um, you shouldn't use it outside of the context of a Sefer Torah at all. The Jewish over here quotes like that from the Chuba of the, of the Ramban. What's considered to be a mundane matter? The Ramban says you shouldn't use it um, for. Shitzach uh, um, the Where is it? Uh, yeah. What's a Dava Shochol? What's a Dava Shochol? So Moshe writes a Ksuba is not a Dava Shochol. They quote in the writings of the family of the Ksam Seifer. There's Igeris, Igeris, the Seifer, and they have all the Hanagas of the Ksam Seifer. Ksam Seifer held wedding invitations, they're not a Dava Shochol. Wedding invitation can be in block print, uh, Ksuba can be in block print, but regular letters that a person writes. Should be, uh, should be in script or Rashi script or some other writing. The Ramah took this even further. There's a famous Shuvah in the Ramah where the Ramah argued, um, didn't accept either Kua. The Ramah says, even if you're writing a Sefer, forget about a Ksuba or a wedding invitation, even a Sefer, who's to say my Sefer, you know, everybody today, every time, you know, every, uh, you know, uh, Shmuel Yaakov is publishing a Sefer. So, uh, who's to say my Sefer is not, div, div, you know, so they were careful to always publish Svarim in Rashi script. It's not like today, you know, we, after the Enlightenment, all of a sudden we came up with Rashi's, you know, black print, and in the uh, old and dark ages, they published everything in Rashi script. They published things in Rashi script for a reason, and that was because of the Cheshish for this Ramah, that if something is a Debrechel, and out of Anivas, they felt their safer might be Debrechel, so they were careful to publish Svarim in Rashi script as opposed to in black print. However, today we're generally lenient on that, but there are those that are careful. In my wedding invitation, we were, we were trying to be careful for this. Our wedding invitation was in script. Uh, not Rashi script. Uh, we wanted people to be able to read it, so but we published it in, uh, in like uh, cursive um, uh, to be chayshish for this uh, this Ramah. That's why Rav Shechter. If you ever see a tshuva, the, the way you know a tshuva is from Rav Shechter if it's printed in Rashi script. Why does Rav Shechter print all of his tshuvas in Rashi script? It's not a shtick. It's um, it, it is helpful to actually know that's actually what they you know. That's him and not somebody else impersonating him. Um, but it's again to be chayshish for this Ramah. 
that we don't use block print outside of the context of a Sefer Torah. What about with regards to Tefillin? So Tefillin, we saw, you're not supposed to have Sirtat at all. However, if you put these two halachas together, we have a problem. We said Tefillin doesn't have halacha l'moshim yisina that requires Sirtat, but now all of a sudden we're saying, anytime you quote a Pasuk, you need Sirtat. It won't passel the Tefillin if you don't have it, but how is that a violation of the din of Rabbi Yitzchak? Anytime you quote a Pasuk, you need Sirtat, you need these lines. Even if it's on a letter, um, you require Sirtat. So Tesis raises the problem, how, would, how do we negotiate Tefillin together with the halacha of um, Rabbi Yitzchak? So Taisvis provides two explanations. Taisvis says, perhaps even Tefillin, if you look at the fourth line down of Ois Tezvav, Taisvis says, You should make one Sirtut on top. One Sirtut on top. One line on top. That will satisfy the luck of Rabbi Yitzchak. So even Tefillin have one line at the top of the Tefillin. Now that also helps, says Taisvis, to be able to write the Tefillin straight. Uh, there's, uh, there's one, one Rebbe in, in YU who always sent out my Mekaymas in writing. I guess he hasn't gotten up to computers yet. So he, uh, he writes, and all the lines end up in the corner of the page. You know, so you can't write in a straight line. So it's helpful to have the lines in order to make sure that you write in a straight line. So Titus says, if you need more lines to help the cipher write uh, you know, in justified paragraphs, so then you can add more lines too, and it might even be, you know, it might even be uh, advantageous to do so, because it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, Zekeli um, Vanveil. So Taisus says it might require one line, you can add more additional lines if, it's, if the cipher needs it. Taisus in the bottom, though, if you look at the last line of the brackets of Taisus back in Oisitz, Rav Taisus quotes from Masech the Seiferim, that if you have a Uriya She'ena Misurgeles is Psua. What's Misurgeles? It doesn't have a border. Then it's possible. Says Taisus, Hainu Dalit Sirtutin Milmago Umato Umitstodin. So Taisus quotes another view that maybe even those things that don't require Sirtut, formal Sirtut, like you find in the Mezuzah and the Megillah, and maybe you know in the Sefer Torah, but other documents do require, you know, even in Tefillin, require a border all the way around. And this appears in Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch says over here in Hilchas Tefillin, Ches Ein Kimshita Tefillin do require a Sirtut on the top line. If you're not able to be careful with writing the paragraph in justified fashion, you can add lines, and you should do so. Is that Kaylee Van Veyu? And then the Ramah quotes the other view that perhaps, you know, the Sirtut that is required is a border all the way around. So at least in a minimum, in order to fulfill what it says in Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah, and again, this is to satisfy uh, Rebbe Yitzchak, that aside from the Halach and Moshe Misina of Sirtut, um, all Kisvei HaKadosh require Sirtut some, in some form. So it requires one line at the top or a box, a border around the entire thing. However, in the Amek Bracha, that's the, one of the primary Talmudim of the Briskerov. So he quotes over here in the name of the Briskerov that answered Taisus Kasha. That Tefillin is not Kisvei HaKadosh either. When the Rebbe Yitzchak say you require Sirtut when you're quoting a Pasuk, that's whenever you're quoting a Pasuk outside of the context of a Sefer Torah, but it's still Kisvei HaKadosh. You're quoting a Pasuk, so it requires Sirtut. Tefillin is not Kisvei HaKadosh either. It's not, not, it's not meant to be read, and therefore not included in the Lachem Misina, like Mezuzah in the Sefer Torah. But it's, all, it's not even Kisvei HaKadosh. It's a separate halacha tefillin. And therefore, Tefillin doesn't require Sirtut at all, not even to satisfy the din of Rabbi Yitzchak. Okay, but add it. Does it hurt anything to add uh, you know, the Sirtut? So Tosu says, well, when you do things that have no reason, you're a Nikra Hedyet. Yeah, but okay, but, but here you're trying to satisfy some Rishonim, so maybe you should add the Sirtut. Some Rishonim held. Tefillin is subject to the din of Rabbi Yitzchak and should have Sirtut, like a, even a you know, regular letter. However, the Beis Yosef quotes over here, some Rishonim, Name of Rabbeinu Simcha, that no, if you put Sirtut in the Tefillin, it's possible. There were those who didn't pass the Tefillin if you put Sirtut in. He passes your Tefillin if you put Sirtut in. 
So it says in Shulchan Aruch Tavsiyotu, but there's a sheet in Rishonim, and it's not a you know it's not a Rebbe Rishonim. It's a day you know it's a it's a it's a lone voice. But there are those that say that the tefillin is possible if it has siyotu. So they say that the tefillin of Reb Chaim had no siyotu. I didn't follow what it says over here in the Shulchan Aruch Tavsiyotu on the top line or a border all the way around. Reb Chaim was chayshish for this sheet in Rishonim to have no siyotu at all. Ah, how does tefillin avoid the din of Rebbe Yitzchak? So that's where the briskerov came to fill in. That Reb Chaim obviously felt tefillin was a you know a different halacha. There's Tfilah, Mezuzah, Megillah, Sefer Torah, those require Tfilah, Allah, Hamish, Mishina, the Din of Rabbi Yitzchak, any kids of the require Sirtut, perhaps in order to show how significant it is and how different it is. Maybe that's what the whole border is about. This is something different. This is something that stands out. Be careful about this. But Tfilah is it's an entirely different Hagdar. Tfilah does not require Sirtut, and another Rabbah, if it has Sirtut, it'll apostle the Tfilah. Why should it apostle the Tfilah, though? So my own Hatzah, again, you can take it or leave it, but it's perhaps based on what we said earlier, is because even though it's true, we understand in life that there's an emes la there's a deeper truth, there's the superficial truth and falsehood, fact and fiction that we encounter every day, um, and it's important, whereas the Megillah teaches us, the sperm teaches us, to understand, to look beneath the surface, to understand the, between the lines, who's pulling the strings, and the Baruch who's behind it all, and to achieve that deeper truth, which is the Ratan of HaKadosh Baruch to make people feel good, is the deepest truth of all. And that's why we compromise on, compromise on superficial truth in order to achieve that deeper truth. The tefillin comes to remind us that we don't live in that world all the time. A person can't bend fact and you know, confuse that with fiction. You can't take uh, truth and make, it, you know, make lies and make it into truth because I'm always trying to the ends justify the means. The tefillin remind us we have to live with the words too. It's important to read between the lines and understand that the deeper truth, but the tefillin remind us, no, there's no seer to the tefillin. We've got to live, you know, live with the truth as we see it in the external world and to function you know, primarily on a daily basis with that truth while keeping in mind the deeper truth that the Kaddish Baruch was behind it all. Yeah. My tefillin are from the Bishkara of